what are the courageous conversations, plural, you need to have that can change your life outcomes? What are the, the courageous conversations? I want you to list them. Your homework assignment is to go home and list them in a private note for yourself. These are, the, these are the things that I need to have a courageous conversation with myself about and with other people about. Sometimes the conversation is not with anybody. It's with you. You sit down and you say, look, this cannot continue in your life. You know, you need to get a grip on this part of your life. And you have to have a courageous conversation with yourself. And, and I heard this, by the way. I heard this, this term. I didn't, I didn't use it. It was a term I heard one of our members who was a principal used talking to her middle schoolers. I spoke for her school. I just happened to, uh, she had asked me to speak at some program. And she came in, and before I spoke, she says, students, we need to have a courageous conversation. And I thought, I like that. Now, I, maybe I should have heard it before, but it was just something about the way she said it. And I told her, I said, I love that statement. I, and I just, it's, been, it's been a part of my life for, those, for several years. And I really believe it, it changes all of my outcomes when I have courageous conversations. <clears throat> and so some of you need to have that, a courageous conversation with yourself and maybe a courageous conversation with other people. That's what we're going to talk about this year. So I'm going to give you a list of them, a list of conversations I hope you have. Secondly, I want to talk to you about a courageous conversation today that I think will lead us into some focuses on several areas of your life. We'll start today. What are the messy issues in your spiritual life? That's the conversation today we're going to talk about. In your family life, your work life, in your personal life, they need to be confronted. What are the messy issues in your spiritual life, family life, work life, and personal life? Now, I understand clearly that life is not always smooth. If we go back in our histories, all of us have some messiness back there. There's a cousin that's, when you get around them, it's messy. There's going to be arguments, difficulties. It's not easy. Some of us, if you go back through your marriage history, your relationship history, there are things that were difficult in your relationships. And, and to explain it, it's just messy. I mean, I mean you're divorced. Uh, I had a wonderful friend tell me, Pastor Rick, I've been married four times. And, I, and, she, and, and when she describes it, 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 she went through each marriage, and she told me all these stories. And it was powerful, and it's just messy. It's just kind of messy. It was, and she says it's messy, and, uh, and, and I, I really believe sometimes it's not your fault. You didn't really create all that it became. You might have contributed a little bit, but you didn't contribute that much. Your financial situation may be messy, but that's not all your fault. You loan Cousin Bubba some money. <laughs> Cousin Bubba promised that Auntie Lucy was going to pay him back, and then he was going to pay you back. But what happened was when Uncle Bubba got that money, he went and bought a car with that money. You then couldn't pay your bills. Then you got behind, and before you know it, you were evicted out of your house living with Cousin Bubba. Are you with me, somebody? And now you saying, why you live with Cousin Bubba? Because Cousin Bubba felt bad because he got me put out of my house, and now I'm living with him, but now he and I don't get along. And it's just messy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's like that. And when you dig into our lives, it becomes interesting. Now, what I want to do is take you on a journey in the Scripture where God talks about these messy issues. 
and it's, it's in a unique place. It's in Exodus chapter 20. God calls Moses up to the mountain post-Egypt. All the people now are delivered. They're all up in, you know, they're all up in there, in the, uh, <laughs> up there waiting for Moses to come back from this mountain visit with God. And while <clears throat> Moses is in the mountain, God says, Moses, uh, hey, look, I want to talk to you about 10 messy issues. And I want you to understand, this is important because this is the first written conversation. So God says, I tell you what, I'm going to write these down for you. Because I want to make sure everybody's clear about what I consider will become messy in your life. And it's divided into three categories. Oh, I love this. You ready? Three categories. Now I want you to write this down, okay? It's not in your notes. Like, it is in your notes, but I, I'm gonna, I, it's different. I wrote it down a little bit differently than in your notes because this is kind of how I'm going to use it through the series, okay? And we're going to be here for about eight weeks, about, about eight weeks. And so I want, give me a little bit of water, please. About eight weeks. Oh, you guys, are, where's it at? Is it under the table? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, it's eight weeks of, um, eight weeks, thank you, sir, eight weeks of, um, of amazing study. It's so amazing, I'm still drinking water, hallelujah. Eight weeks of amazing study, and we're going to talk about how God decided to tell Moses, here are eight things, sir, I'm sorry, ten things that can change your life. So write this down, you ready? Say, now, he's, he talks to him about our relationship with God. Say that with me, please. Come on. Our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others. Those are the three categories he divides the Ten Commandments into. And that's what you know them as, the Ten Commandments. And in this conversation, he starts out by saying, I want to talk to you about our relationship. God's speaking and says to Moses, I'm concerned that our relationship will become messy. How you relate to me. Secondly, I'm concerned about your relationship with yourself. How you treat yourself. So I call it our relationship with ourselves. That's what he's concerned with. And the impact of that. And then thirdly, he says, I'm concerned about your relationship with other people. And all three of these flow together. If all three of these are right, it's amazing. If all three of these are wrong, it's bad. And, it's, and this was a prophecy that came true. It became incredibly messy. Now, note with me in your notes, the first thing I'm going to talk about, and this sounds written for you, our relationship with God issues. He says, <clears throat> Moses, uh, <laughs> there are issues that I'm concerned about that you and I are going to have, me and the people are going to have, and these issues are going to cause problems for years. And here's what he says. Let me give you a list of them. And he says them in simple statements. First of all, he says in verse 3 of Exodus chapter 23, you should have, you should have no other gods before me. You should have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Say it with me, please. Come on. You should have... Come on, say it again. You should have what? No other gods before me. You should have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. I'm concerned about your walk with me. 
in verse 1, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 3, therefore, I don't want you to have anybody else before me. I want to start with that. I want to be first. Second commandment was, I want you to know you shall have no carved image. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image and likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a what kind of God? Jealous, Jealous God. And, and what's going to happen if you do this, this sin is not going to stop with your generation. It's going to visit your generations for, for years. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and what generation? Fourth generation of those who hate me. I wonder if some of the things in your family are generational. I wonder if your great-great-granddaddy didn't love God and now it's, it's kind of like you're <clears throat> still paying for it. And it's not so much because God's punishing you because of what they did but you're doing the same thing that they did and more. I don't know why people don't get the connection. You drank until you fell out. They drug until they fall out. What's the difference? You slept with people behind the barn. They do it more openly. What's the difference? Your, your sin is as great. And here's what he said. <clears throat> I want you to be clear. Number one, I need to be first. Number two, I don't need you to carve an image of me. Which basically means this. Ask yourself this. How do you present God's image and do you shape it after your, big word, preferences? Now, they used to take wood and say, I think God looks like this. Pentecostals do the same thing. I think God looks like this. Baptists do the same thing. We carve God after our own image if we're not careful. And we, and we, we, we do our best. I think you try your best. But here's what he's trying to say. You're not going to get it right. He's not an African-American. God is not an African-American. I don't care whether you think he is or not. He's not. He's not white either. And he's not Asian. And he's not American. I'm sorry. You think he's an American? You think he's got the flag and he pledges his allegiance to the flag? I love our country. I pledge allegiance to the flag. But that's not the point. I don't want you. He says, I want, it's going to get messy if you start carving images of me and you start thinking that you've got some upper hand on everybody and everybody else is wrong but you, I, let me tell you who I am. Don't you tell me who I am. And that's, that's that for Christians in particular, it's really hard. The evangelical church is struggling with this right now in a big way. We're carving a political image. We're carving a, we got this whole theology thing. And we got our famous preachers. And I say that with love because I know a lot of them, they're friends of mine. But what's amazing is, if you're not careful, you fall prey to this. Third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord your God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in what? Vain. vain. So how do you use and represent God's name in your daily life? How do you do that? Now, I'm going to do something because you're scholarly people. I gave you three notes in your, in, your, in your notes there. I gave you three comments. These three notes are from three theological sources. 
That's the student in me that simply says, let me show you. The first two, the Bible Knowledge Commentary and then the one that follows is the uh, Old Testament Survey Series Commentary, basically say one thing. When people read this verse, they meant it to say, don't use God's name in a profane way. Don't curse using God's name. Don't be casual in the use of God's name. I'll let you read the details, but I put it there for you. The third source gives a, an, an interesting summary, which basically says it, it, it's really not just cursing or using his name in a profane way. There's a larger sense, he says, in which people today take the Lord's name in vain. Those who name the name of Christ, who pray his name, and who take his name as part of their identity, but who deliberately and continually disobey his commands, are taking his name in vain. Jesus Christ has been given the name above all names, and, and every knee shall bow, Philippians 2, 9 through 10. And when we take the name Christian upon ourselves, we must do so with an understanding of all that signifies. If we profess to, to be Christian, but act, think, and speak in a worldly or profane manner, we take his name where? In vain. When we misrepresent Christ, either intentionally or through ignorance of the Christian faith as a proclamation in Scripture, we take the Lord's name in vain. This is important. Final thing, Marie. When we say we love him, but do not do what he commands, Luke 6, 46, we take his name in vain. Now, that broadens the definition. So, for example, your name is? One, two, I want your last name. Your last name is? Okay. Now, your last name is? Mosley. So, let's make me a Mosley. And on the job, I lie, I cuss, I cheat, I, I, I flirt with all the women because I'm a Mosley. And you say, no, use my name like that. See, instantly, you didn't like that. Because if I'm a lion Mosley, if I'm a lion temple, okay, I'll change it back to me, get you off the hook here. Make it a lion temple, that's not good. So you take the Lord's name, you wear t-shirts with his name, you wear little bracelets with his name, and then you live in a way that has zero to do with what he represents. That's messy. And here's what I want you to notice. These first three things in the commandment list have to do with God's relationship with you. And I want you to notice how he starts this list off. Now, I'm going to deal with this next week. This is only an introduction. <laughs> but I want you to notice this list first because it's amazing. You're going to remember the Ten Commandments now. The first three things he talks to Moses about is how we get along. Our walk with God. Your walk with God. That's the first thing he says. If you want to know Moses, <clears throat> the top three things I'm worried about is I will not be first. They will carve an image and make me look like they want me to look. And thirdly, they will take my name and embarrass it and drag it everywhere, and no one will ever believe that they are connected to me. They will embarrass me. Wow. Take a step back. And ask yourself about your relationship with God. I almost this whole month did a series called, Do You Really Love God? 
Because that's the question, and we'll deal with that next week. It's a powerful thought, but let's continue on the list. The next thing on the list is this next category. In verse 4, it's the fourth commandment, and it stands all by itself. Our relationship with ourselves. And in your notes, it says our relationship with our own issues. It's our issues. God says, I want to talk to you about you for a minute. I want you to hear, hear what he says. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath to keep it what? Holy. Fourth commandment. Six days you shall do what? Labor and do all your work. Read that. Read it again. Come on. Six days you shall what? Labor and do all your work. One more time. Say it again. Come on. Six days. Now let's do hand signals. You ready? Hold up six fingers. Come on. Say six days you shall work. Pause. Hands down. Let's be clear about that part. Six days you shall work. And he used the word labor. But on the seventh day, I want you to stop. On the seventh day, I want you to stop. Now, some people have made that a church service. Well, uh, this is the Lord's Day. You're missing the point. If you think the Sabbath is about church, you missed it. It's not about church. It's about stopping. Saying I have to come to church? No. I'm glad you're here. But I want you to broaden your definition of Sabbath. Do you think it's a Sabbath for me? Just ask it. You think this is my day off? Does it look like it to you? See the notes in your hand, huh? This is, is this my day? How about Saturday? Is Saturday my day off? That is the true Sabbath, by the way. That is the seventh day. People really get all caught up in this, and they get lost. But I want to give you a verse. You ready? I gave it to you right there. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't write it out for you, but here's what it says. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for the man. God's plan was that there would be balance in my life. And so here's God talking to Moses. Here's what he says. Moses, you want to know what I'm concerned about next beyond me? I'm concerned about how they treat themselves. You want to know what's going to get messy? It's when they have no balance. So how do you balance your life? All work, every week, always tired, always exhausted, always going, always, always. Churches are like that. It's exhaust. You're never off. It's so amazing. I, one pastor said something to me. I, I laugh. He laughs now when I tell him. He told me this. We stopped having every Wednesday night service. We have it seasonally. And he said, Temple, you know you go to hell for that. And we were like, he was teasing me. He was clowning. But the point was, it was such a shock to him that I would even consider not having you come out here every week for, on Wednesday nights that, that somehow... He said, well, what do you do? I said, nothing. <laughs> what do you mean, nothing? I said, there's a word. Look it up. Nothing. What do you do? We just nothing that day. You ever had a nothing day? You know, there's something about stopping. Some of you don't stop. And here's what he says. It's going to be messy, Moses, if they don't stop. You want to know what, what's wrong with your family? You're tired. You need a nap. You don't need the Holy Ghost or Jew. You don't need to be slain in the spirit. You know, churches wear you out. They wear you out. Okay, you remember the good old days? Tuesday night prayer meeting, right? Wednesday night Bible study, right? Friday night Holy Ghost service, right? Right? Then Sunday morning start early, 9.45 for Sunday school if you're faithful, right? You stay all the way till 11 o'clock, right? Then they give you a few-minute break. 
you eat donuts during the break, right, and cookies because you didn't get breakfast. And you stay until the pastor finished talking. And that's going to be in a few minutes, trust me. <laughs> oh, you close, let me tell you. <laughs> what? And you stay there until 2 or 3 o'clock, and then they say, come back that night. And then it used to be a long, you know, but you, you got to go to work Monday. Then they want a revival meeting the next week. And he's going to be there for five nights. It's going to be a Holy Ghost revival. You better come if you want God to bless you. You better show up. And you come and your children sleeping on the back pew. Everybody tired. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. Everybody's exhausted. And then they ask for money every night. Every night. I'm getting off. I got to say this real quick. I was talking to a pastor, this is truth. He's a great guy, honest to God. He's one of the guys I'm mentoring. And he said, oh, my wife raised the offering and it wasn't great. He said, we had a great Sunday offering, but on Tuesday night, we had, we had another offering. I said, well, they didn't get paid yet. <laughs> I, said, I said, they didn't <laughs> Paydays don't come that fast. He had to laugh himself. He said, you're right, Temple, you're right. I said, come on, man, let's back up a little bit. Back up the train. That's why when people come here, they get confused. They're so done. We done? You mean we started on time and we're going to get out of here in 15 minutes, you're going to be rolling. Watch out. I'm going I'm to roll, roll with you. He knows when it's going to end. I sure do. <laughs> See, that, it, it confuses people. And that's why when you go places and they start 30 minutes late, you be saying, what's going on? You're confused. All that's because I believe we're tired. Some of you are just, look at the pastor, tired. Kids in every sport. Every, you're running baseball season, soccer season, football season. You're just running around, and they're weighing you out. You need time to pick a sport. <laughs> pick one that you love. Some of you going to be mad with me now. Hang on. Buckle up. We can't be crazy. Never stop. No vacation. Then you hear when you do vacation, you know when you rest? Once a year. You brag about that. Yeah, we're going on vacation in July, and it's hot. You go, <laughs> going down to Disney World. We always go to Disney World. Then you get, you get one little room, right? Everybody jammed all in there. You know you're not used to being together. You know that, right? Everybody jammed all in there together. We're having fun. You got a little Mickey hat, and everybody happy. And you go down there, and you go, and it opens up at 8 o'clock. And, and I, you know, I didn't you open, when, and you sit there, and you run into all the rides. You wait 45 minutes to an hour for all the rides. You're hot. Everything, hot dog costs $5. Everything costs a lot of money. By the time it's over, you're mad with everybody. <laughs> you want to go home, you know, and that's vacation. That is not what he said. And that's why it's messy. He said six days, six what? Six he didn't say months. This is supposed to happen every week. Six days, you work, but you stop. He says, I'm concerned, Moses. I'll come back. We'll do a whole sermon on this whole thing. Next thing, third category. He said, I'm concerned about our relationship with other people. There are other people issues, he calls them. And he gives this incredible list. And it's, it's, it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Five things. So the first three of the commandments deal with your relationship with God. The second category deals with your relationship with yourself, how you handle you, your balanced life. He said, if, if your relationship with me is not right, 
Your relationship with yourself is not right. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have trouble with people. The other, other category becomes real clear. Now watch what he says. The, first, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. <clears throat> Starts with your house. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Here's what, what's amazing. This was called the New Testament. This is the commandment with promise. Do you realize that sometimes the shortness of the life of our young people is tied to this? Amen. There's a direct link between the way you honor your parents and your blessing in your life. This generation is having trouble finding jobs. This generation is having trouble getting paid. This generation, some of that's linked to this. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. Be nice to them just so you can live. <laughs> Next time your kids act up, get some oxygen, just breathe in and say, <laughs> Don't do that. That's that thing. Tell your neighbor, say, don't, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> I didn't say this. This is so important. Call Moses on the mountain. Moses, I got ten issues. Three categories. How you relate to me, how you handle yourself, how you relate to other people. At the top of the other people list is how you function in your home. At the top of the list. It's not even healthy for you. If your dad was no good, don't you do that. Honor him anyway. It's for you. Be selfish. It's not, hey, that's so you can live. <laughs> call him today and say, hey, how you doing? He might be shocked. He might have a little heart attack. You calling me? Yeah, I'm trying to live. <laughs> I was in church today. Pastor, I better call you if I want to breathe. I believe there's a direct linkage. Second thing he says, if you, and I watch this, he says, if that's not right, notice, notice the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. He's concerned about violence. I believe there's a direct link to violence in family. Not, not just jobs. I, I get the whole need to get a job thing and kids don't have a job and you know, unemployment rate and all that. And studies show that if the employment rate's lower, then they, they, they're less crime. I get that. But you want to know the real direct link? It's family. Because God says, I'm concerned that if, if, if you don't relate to me, right, you don't take care of yourself, right, what's going to happen is your relationship with other people will fall apart. And here's what's going to happen. It's going to start in your house, right, mother and father stuff. It's going to roll down and become violent. Then he says, not only violence will be apart, then he says, number seven, then it becomes the next issue that's going to show up is sexual stuff. Adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. There'll be no sexual restraint. God's thrown out. You're not taking care of yourself, right? Family's falling apart. Violence starts to be apart. Next thing you see on the list, number seven, is out of control sexually. It's amazing that it's number seven on the list. You'd think it'd be first, right? No. Not in God's mind. Not with his conversation with Moses. Then he goes to the next thing, number eight, and he says, you shall not steal. Then they start stealing. Theft becomes a problem. Then the ninth thing is, there's no truth. You should, not, you, should, you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. He's concerned about lying. Then the tenth thing is he's concerned about coveting and craving what belongs to others. You shall not covet, verse 17, your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, 
nor as male servants, nor as female servants, nor as oxen, nor as donkey, nor anything that is yours. Here's what happens. You start doing this. You spend your whole life going, ooh, boy, look at that. Ooh, look at what they got. Man, look at that car. Wow, look at that house. Ooh, I need a house like that. And you spend all your life coveting. Your relationship with God's not right, right? Your relationship with yourself, because you're not taking care of you. You're running yourself ragged. Before you know it, family's falling apart. It, violence starts sneaking in. Then there's theft, lying, and before you know it, there's a whole bunch of sexual stuff, and then it becomes just you drooling after what other people own. And he said to Moses, that's a mess. That's a messy life. If you want to go help the Moses, you take this list down, and you teach them this list. And they won't have some problems that they can avoid. Some things will never happen in their life. Some of you say, boy, man, my family's all over that list. I see that for us. But it all starts with your walk with God. Next week I'm going to talk about is God really first in your life? And here's the, here's the deal. Does God have a complaint about where you place him in your life? Where is he placed? There's a verse in Matthew 22, I'll read ahead verse for you. The teacher asked Jesus the question, said, what's the greatest commandment in the whole law? It's a great moment, Matthew 22, 37, Jesus responds. He says, the greatest commandment, sir, is this, love God, love people. Come on, say, love God, love God. and love people. Father, I pray that what we've talked about in these 27 minutes have been helpful and uplifting. Every word that we've discussed today, I pray, has lifted the minds of your people to a new place. That somehow they would say, may I not spend my life coveting or drooling after what somebody else owns. May I not spend my life chasing after the next person to sleep with or something that I can take from somebody else or someone I can get back on and hurt or harm. May I think about how I can improve my family. What we can do in our house. And may I begin to think about myself and how I can Sabbath, rest. Help me in Jesus' name. Help me. Help me think about my life and my walk with God. Father, I pray that these Ten Commandments will come alive in our hearts in ways that are way different. It's not going to be a condemn you series, but a help you series. And we're going to find ways to have courageous conversations about all these areas. And in each conversation, we're going to get better and better. So we lift our hearts and hands to you, thanking you for this time. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. For some of you today, this is the day you want to give your life to Jesus because you say, you know, Pastor, the first thing on the list is I walk with God. And I want to get that right. I want you to pray for me at the beginning of the year. I want to start my life off with Jesus going in the right direction. If that's you today, you want me to pray for you whether you're in this building or whether you're home. It doesn't matter where you are. I want you right now, if you can, where you are. If you can't, where you are, raise your hand. Just raise your heart. But 
If you're here and you can raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. That's me. Raise your hand. Let me see. Say, pray for me. I see that. I see that need in my life, Pastor. I see. Thank you. Put your hands down after you do that. I see you. Thank you. Father, touch these who raise their hands. Touch these who raise their hearts. Let this be the moment that they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. Some are rededicating their lives. Some are admitting that their lives are not, they've not really been putting God first. So let this be that beginning step for them. In Jesus' name. Would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord, today, I know you love me, and I know you care. I give you my life, and I trust you. You died on the cross to set me free, and I believe you have the answer for my life. In Jesus' name.